Hello and welcome to the Woodsman's Podcast for August. We do this podcast at least once a month, and it's for people who are interested in the outdoors. We talk about hunting, harvesting, foraging, and fishing from the perspective of a New England woodsman, specifically New Hampshire, where we are now. My name is Max Ledoux. I'm not a woodsman. The woodsman in question is Ed Butler. Hi, Ed. Hello. Ed grew up in New Hampshire and has spent much of his life in the woods or on the lakes or other bodies of water. And he has gained a lifelong knowledge of all of these things. He can also recite poetry. We might get him to do at some point. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about fishing, mostly, maybe some foraging for berries. Um, and we're also lucky to have our first guest in studio, Mark Patterson. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Um, it's good to be here. Thanks for coming. Hey. You know. Yeah. So before we get started, just let me say that you can subscribe to the Woodsman's Podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Google+, or really any other podcast app. Please leave a positive review, particularly in iTunes. That really would help us quite a lot. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash workingclasswoodsman. We put out uh, two videos per week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And Mark also has a YouTube channel. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. So we'd appreciate it if you could also give him a sub. And we'd like to say a special thank you uh, to Mac Glavin, who is supporting us on Patreon. Very generous donation. Yes, appreciate that. Uh, super cool. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. And also thank you very much to Brian Farney, who's also supporting us on patreon but he does not have any um youtube channel and that's patreon.com slash working class woodsman we'll tell you more about that later so guys um i understand that you were just doing some fishing yeah we had a great day up in the white mountains uh up near jefferson oh yeah so not great right up there yep um actually we were Probably only a couple miles from Mount Jefferson. Yeah, I forget to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go up there, Cog. Well, that's Washington, but if we, you know the road that we went on, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if you yeah. kept going up that, that'll take you up to the base of Mount Jefferson. All right. Yep. Cool. Yep. There's, there's trailheads all over the place. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were right in the heat of it today, but yep. uh, no, I had a really good day. We caught. I think we caught what twenty-five fish, or I mean, all. I mean, oh, all in all, count the little natives and stuff. And what were you fishing for? Uh, Brook trout. 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 Yeah, yeah. I thought, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We did at least 25. Yeah, I would say. I mean, there was a lot of catching on. Yeah, we caught, we caught, and we lost a few big ones. I mean, we did yeah. eight. Was no, no, eight. Eight in one spot. In one hole. Yeah. And we kept none of them. Right. Nope. Didn't keep All any of them those. back. Yep. Um, those are small little natives. Yeah, those were the small natives. Uh, some of them were um, stocked from the uh, uh, Evans Notch Hatchery up there. Yeah. Now, uh, is, do you know that they're stocked when you catch them? Is there a way to yeah, tell, yeah, or yeah, just from the way they look, yeah. the, uh, their size? Or well, the, generally the size is a giveaway. Um, like you caught one of the bigger ones you caught was actually um, was a native. Yeah, um, but you can also get if you what they call a holdover. If a fish doesn't get caught in the summer, mm -hmm. and it and it uh, goes, you know, it makes it through another season, then it becomes what they call a holdover. So it's technically still a stock. But it's been in the river for, for a year. Right. I caught a couple of those today. Um, but we caught, I don't know, 
a bunch of the little little natives. Um, just yeah. beautiful dark blue, red, yellow, almost almost gorgeous black. Fish. Oh yeah, they're gorgeous little fish. Yeah, and um, will the ones that were stocked will they breed with the others or with each other at all? Uh, supposedly, um, we we actually caught a few still had a couple of ours still had eggs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, they hadn't dropped yet. I'm sorry, but um, so those those were go- those would have bred. Um, but uh, I think I, I'm pretty sure a stock. I I, I should have. I, I can check up on it, but I'm pretty sure a stock trout will a stock brook trout will reproduce if it survives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think any of the stock trout we caught were females. Mm-hmm. I think, but well, we only caught a couple of those. But anyway, we uh, we had a great day. Um, we get up there, started fishing, probably about eight o'clock, and just great day on the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the mountains. Yeah, good, good six hours in the woods. I mean, we were getting out around two ish. So yeah, by the time we bushwhacked out, it was it was two yeah. o'clock. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, after this, we're gonna go home and fry them up, do a little uh, little fish fry with native brook trout. So. Mm-hmm. Can't ask for more than that. Cool. Yeah. So it was a great day in the mountains. Like, yeah. Hit yeah. the max of the day too. We limited. Yeah, we caught it. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about that too, because I know there's. It's is it both a count of how many or poundage, right? Brook trout. Yeah. Brook trout are five fish or five pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. First. Now let me clarify. Unless you're in a, um, a lake that, like Lake Winnipesaukee, any trout has, has to be 15 inches. Uh-huh. So um, that's something that, that's confusing because when someone catches a brook trout, once in a while you'll catch a little brook trout in one of the sake, you can't keep it because it has to be 15 inches. Uh-huh. Because that's what they call a, um, uh, a, basically it's a salmon lake trout lake. Any place you can only use two tip-ups, those fish have to be 15 inches. Okay. So that's, that's a bit confusing because any place else, if it's not uh, like a rainbow, you could keep a 12-inch rainbow in each pond. Uh-huh. You can't keep a 12-inch rainbow on one of the sockets. So uh, you'll have to explain to me what a two-tip-up is. Okay. When a Pasaki, for instance, um, or uh, Winnesquam, Ossipi Lake, uh-huh. uh, any fish that has salmon in them is what they, what we call salmon lakes. So in other words, okay. you can only use two two fish through in the in the wintertime, ice fishing. You uh-huh. can only use two fishing devices. You can use two tip-ups. You can use a tip-up and a jig, a jig rod. Or you could, in theory, use two jig rods, but you can only use two fishing devices. So you can't, you can't have, you can't drill fifteen holes and have fifteen different no devices. No. Uh, and you say that was specific to Winnipesaukee, or is that any any uh, any any trout? Any trout what any they call trout. what they call a lake trout, or any place that they stock salmon. An easy way to figure it is any place that they stock salmon or has lake trout is a two tip up lake. Gotcha. Okay. You follow me? Yeah. Like what? Ossipi Lake, for instance. So, yeah. So if it has salmon in it. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Um, so, but any other lake, like Beach Pond, um, uh, for instance, you can use you can use six tip-ups. Lake Wentworth, you can use six tip-ups. Or, you know, you'd never use six jig rods, but you could use, like, say, five five tip-ups in a jig rod, but only okay. six. Because that's handheld, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. correct. The jig rod is your... Yes, you're sitting there jigging it. But you can go. You can go. We could go out. Which for people listening, jigging is like uh, we're all doing a hand motion. And yeah, we're doing a hand motion here, <laughs> and people listening are like, "Okay, great. Yeah, what does yeah. jig mean? Yeah. So what, what does it mean? This is why we got Max. Just keeps, yeah. keeps him straight. Jigging is jerking, a basically. Little, a little fishing rod, yeah. a little mini ice rod. 
and you're you're sort of jerking it up and down. Yep. And just to which, like to which, throw in, which makes the bait sort of appear as if it's yeah alive. Yeah, little fish. you just sit on the ice and jig. You know, whether you use a spoon or a jig yeah. rod. But I'd like to throw in if anybody needs a jig rod for ice fishing, Randy Rodko is the best place to get a jig ice fishing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, you can check him out on Instagram or. Uh, yeah. And we'll put those links in the show yeah. notes to Randy. He's, he's a buddy of ours, and he does. He makes custom ice fishing rods, and um, he makes them really like. He makes a really nice uh, spicy noodle. He also makes one. <laughs> yeah. So he's a cook as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He makes the the Laker Taker, um, uh, some of the other names he came up with. But he makes one, the spicy noodle I like for um, uh, smelt fishing, chicken smelts. So is that like a really bendy fish? Well, the reason he calls it a a noodle is because the rod is actually parabolic. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what that means. Okay. Generally, a fishing rod has like two-thirds backbone and then the tip flexes. Okay. Okay. You're following me, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, a parabolic rod would bend like a complete noodle. Gotcha. So the there's, no, there's no backbone. That's called a noodle. Got it. Got it. So that's why he calls it the spicy noodle, uh-huh. because it actually, the whole rod will bend if there's no backbone. But it's good for like a really soft bite, like jigging, jigging for smelts or something. Or actually, if you're jigging for white perch with a little, uh, you know, with a little uh, baited um, tungsten or something. But they'll just come over and start nibbling, and that and that that rod, the tip of that rod, will just bounce up and down. That's how you know you have a fish on. You set the hook and reel it up. Uh-huh. That's where a noodling rod comes in really handy. And this is all on the ice, right? This is on the ice, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, it's what ninety degrees up here, and we're talking about ice. <laughs> yeah, today it was <laughs> almost. It was like we should be. Yeah. So that's uh, not to give you a quick lesson on ice fishing, but yeah. so the question was um, about using two. Two tip-ups on Lake Winnipesaukee, I guess is right. how we got to right. this. So, but, but in other words, um, in the summer when you're fishing on Lake Winnipesaukee, you can only take how well, many fish? Well, you can only take two two trout. Two trout. Or one salmon in one trout. But they have to be more than 15 inches. They have to inches. be 15 inches. Yeah. A lake trout has to be 18 inches. Okay. Yeah. Um, a salmon, a rainbow, a brook trout, or uh, a trout can be 15. That on that particular lake, but I think what 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 started this whole conversation was was what you know, for instance, on Beach Pond or where we were today, you can keep any size trout. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're fishing one of those bigger lakes, you have it has to be fifty. Yeah, like if I wanted to keep all five of those little you could natives, you could. I mean, yeah, you know, that would have yeah. been my five for the day. Yep, you can keep a three inch brook trout if you want. Uh-huh. I mean, you can, but. Uh, Anyway, so, um, but those are the good tasting ones, by the way. The small ones? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you can only, you know, you're only going to catch five, so yeah. it's not a lot to eat. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, a side dish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like an appetizer, actually. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, it was a great day. Caught a, that's some really nice fish. I'm looking forward to having some, having a fish fry. So, of course, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning that, that Mark is a registered main guide. <laughs> um. True story. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and your what you do is you lead guided tours on rivers, correct? Right. I really think of myself kind of like as a guide for hire at uh-huh. this point. So a hired gun, a hired yeah. gun, yeah, what have you. Yeah, uh, those so, are my, my term. That's your term. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, 
so, so the area's specialty is guided river trips, uh, backcountry trips specifically. So we're not doing Saco River floats or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's uh, Saint Croix, Allagash, Allagash region. So the lakes up there. More remote places. Remote places, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, and multiple days. Multiple days. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, the shortest trip uh, is about four days, mm -hmm. and then they can go upwards to a week plus. Um, I don't typically go more than a week. That's you know. Just, yeah, you can you can do the you can do the entire river portion of the Allegash in five days. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, that's if you're really putting some backbone into your paddle and you know, kinda of haul through. I don't, I don't know why you would. You'd want you think you'd want to take more time. You know, old school, um you, you know, that that's an interesting comment about some of the old school guiding, some new school guiding. You know, I, I do hear that a lot. People want to take a little bit more time and kind of soak in the environment. Old school guides really uh, would wake up their uh, their clients early in the morning, you know, and, and really drive them hard all day and then get in the camp, you know, maybe two o'clock in the afternoon. If you reference guys like uh, Chip Cochran, he's still out there doing it. That's mm -hmm. the way he did it, or he, that's the way he does it still. Um, Gil Gilpatrick certainly did it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and he's definitely one of the more known, um, you know, guys. So this this there's there's this old school thing of just get people out there. Part of that's practicality. Yeah. Um, by rising early, you especially like say in the Allegash region where you have some lakes, you're avoiding some of that nasty uh, headwinds out Headwind. northwest. Yeah. You know where you have that, so the, mm -hmm. the water's more calm in the morning. Um, also, you're able to you know work your work your clients uh, get the mileage in early, get in the camp if you're if you arrive. Camp at two in the afternoon, you're likely, highly likely to get your selection of, of what sites you want. Now, back in the 80s, when the Allegash had a, you know, was that was its heyday, really. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you, you're climbing on top of people to try to find sites. These days, right. the region is steadily on the decline in terms of, you know, people getting up, up into that area. So, so you used to have to literally compete with other. Oh yeah, other tours. Yeah, this absolutely. is like I just like read during the, the summer. Yeah. You know, you've got scouting groups. You go right. out. You've got church groups, youth groups, uh, groups of all kinds. People who just want to get out there and paddle the river. So, so you so. said before we started that you just got back from a scouting trip. Was that is it? So you that don't mean scouts? That was not a river trip. So you uh, mean like. Boy yeah, Scouts? so I'm still actively involved with the Boy Scouts. Oh, okay. I was, See, I was, uh, I, I was a kid, and now that my son is in cool. the Scouts, yeah, um, it's been a nice way to kind of reconnect with yeah. uh, scouting. Cool. Um, and it also opens up doors to guiding opportunities. Yeah, I was offered to, to be able to actually two offers recently, and I unfortunately had to turn those down because I was booked, you right? Know, which is a good right. problem to have. Sure. <laughs> um, but both of those were for scouting. And that's often when people would call me up and say, hey, Mark, can you, you do this trip with us? Um, it's because there's a large group, a uh, buddy of mine who um, worked with my uncle, Jason Cross, and he runs Smoking Rivers Guide Service. Um, he had 30 boys out on the Moose River in Western Maine. That's 30, a large group. Yeah. 30. 30. That's 30. Quite a that's a busload. That's yeah. well, as boys, and that's the how many, size. Yeah. How many fathers were? Well, like, yeah, yeah. Or, you know? we didn't get that far yeah. in the conversation. No, I was literally, like, I was hanging deer stands yeah. with my uncle <laughs> yes, on Saturday, yes. and he he says to me, "Now, 
So my uncle, just for reference, he's the mastermind guy in the family. Okay. Uh -huh. So he ran um, his guiding business, Wilds of Maine, uh -huh. um, probably for close to 30 years. He retired two years ago and so kind of shut down that whole operation. So anyway, he occasionally still gets calls. And Jason called him up and goes, hey, you know, I've got 30 guys. Can you do it? And he goes, I'm retired now. I got a full <laughs> schedule, but call my nephew. Yeah. And then so we're out hanging deer stands, and, you know, my uncle's up in the tree, and he looks down and he goes, by the way, what are you doing? Uh, uh, I said, what are you doing next week? And I said, I don't know. I, you know, I got to work. I got some stuff I got to do. I've been out traveling. Um, he goes, would you be able to run a river with Jason? I said, well, when does he need me? He goes, well, he's leaving tomorrow. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I actually have all my stuff in the car. I couldn't fundamentally do it. Yeah. I said, but, uh, you know, I hold a day job, and my, my day job boss might not be too happy. Yeah, right. But you pulled it off. I didn't do it. No, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I couldn't pull up. See, when you said scouting, I thought you were scouting like you were out there by yourself scouting in advance of oh, no. like you were going to do a trip. No, we'll do that. Else. I mean, that, that's, that's a yeah. common practice. So I, I, won't, I won't guide on a river I haven't run myself. Right, which makes, you know, that seems like a good um, practice. I, now I will. I, I, I just said that. <laughs> and now I'm going to go back on that. Well, we're being recorded, you know that, right? <laughs> I, I will do that in instances where I'm not a lead guide. You know, if I'm sure. the second or third guy. Right. And, and, and it, like, uh, but the lead guide has scouted it or is familiar absolutely with it. yeah, yeah. And somebody and, and, and i'm only yeah. working that makes sense yeah yeah probably done that river multiple times yeah. yeah you know and actually next week i'm doing west branch of penobscot with uh Mahusik guide service and in the spring you know i had actually last fall i was out visiting them and you know i had a nice conversation with uh kevin uh slater um, over dinner, you know, and, and his philosophy, and I really like, I appreciate his approach about running rivers because you mentioned the scouting thing, right? right. There are some places I, I think you absolutely mandatory to, to scout, um, to get out there to run them first. And now I could be getting myself in the hot water for saying this, but I, I do agree with some of his philosophy. If you're really good with reading water, your map work, and you've done the pre-work on research and things like that, and you fundamentally know where you put in, your takeouts are, your shuttles, you know, all, and you've got all the logistics down. You understand that, hey, if we come around this bend, there's going to be a series of rapids, and rapids are class two, but then you're scouting that stuff out. If you're experienced with the river, there's not always necessarily a need to scout a river first. Uh -huh. um, now, that said, I, I don't think I've ever run you know, I'm not in a situation right. where I want to lead a trip under that philosophy. But fundamentally, I mean, yeah. But you see, you ran the same river for 20 years, six yeah. times a year. Yeah. And like you knew like that the first had, trip of the year, you don't need to yeah. go scout. Yeah. And it had, you know, it had rained, like for instance, it yeah. had rained heavy the week, like all week. And you, yeah. you, you'd kind of know. You know yeah. And, and there's certain qualities of really good guides up in Maine who literally know the rocks of the rivers. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. and and Jason, I just mentioned him, so I'll keep giving him a little credit because you know you get on that pencil. Yeah. You know, he he tells a story of uh, he was doing a trip on the St. Croix, and, and he he would run that river, and my uncle was doing the same thing. That was one of the rivers he started on. And it was the very first river I ever guided uh, for my uncle, um, and and uh, so out there, and 
you know, a client early morning, you know, traditionally get up early in the morning, get out there while the smoke's still in the water, you know, and they're going down and the client and, and Jason points out to the client and he said to the client, Hey, there's a moose over there. And the client's like, What? What? You know, that looks like a rock. How'd you know that wasn't a rock? He goes, a rock's never been there. <laughs> that's never exactly that's not a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you've probably seen that frame so many times. But that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. That's the idea for what, what you know, a well, lot of folks. <laughs> and you can think say, like, maybe it wouldn't, wasn't a moose. Maybe it was a bear, you know? Or something. Like, and, and you would, oh, it's just a rock. And you yeah. can't do close to it, yeah. you know? Yeah, but, no, uh, I've actually, yeah, I'm, but to drive the point, you know. Yes. Yeah. And then the fishing guys would be the same way. You know, these old guys, yep. the way they would just, you know, like, so pound on some of the younger you're, guys. You're talking about, you know, the 80s when there were more people doing yeah. tours, and you're talking about some of the older guides. So how how did you get into guiding? You know, you, so your uncle was a guide, so obviously that's... yeah got to be one of the reasons but yeah. you know what what when did you decide to be a guy take us through your whole no that's actually process. That's, that's a good question like did you go when you were a child yeah with your uncle or yeah, other was, people i was on rivers um i've got photos pretty young when yeah. you know i just sit in the front of a canoe um so my uncle is also an eagle scout okay uh -huh. so as after he went on when uh so my father was in the coast guard and I, I grew up in connecticut as a young young kid as he was stationed down in connecticut uh -huh. and then we moved back up into maine you yeah. know when he was really done with that you know secured a job up in maine um when we did that um my first real boy scout troop i was in with my uncle so my first experience is on say mount washington you know I mean, he downhill ski, he's an ice climber. I mean, this guy, he's 67 really? years old. The guy's still an adrenaline junkie as far as I'm concerned. He runs circles around me in the woods. Yeah, I bet. You know, <laughs> uh, so as, as part of the scout troop, you know, those were my first experiences going out with him because that's what he wanted to do with his scouts. He would get them up the Tuckerman Ravine. You know, mm -hmm. he, would, uh, he would have us hiking up there or skiing some of the guys going skiing up in Tuckerman's ravine you know as boy scouts running rivers doing that sort of stuff there's a lot of boy scout troops who just don't do that stuff no you know they're right. at yeah. state park campgrounds yeah. and things yeah. like that and i'm not you know but that was the kind of thing that i grew up with better there than buying video games yep <laughs> yep and and you know and uh you know so i had an outdoorsy family you know we took a lot of vacations where um vacation wasn't disneyland you know yeah, yeah, it was. Exactly. We're going camping, you know, or we're going up to the family camp. It was that sort of deal. I know. Um, I know. When I was um, big into mountaineering twenty years ago, yeah, twenty years ago, um, I would see. I, I remember seeing. So that would have been ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Let's say. Um, I remember seeing large groups of Boy Scouts up in Tuckerman's. Yeah, yeah, because I was yeah. up there nearly every week or hundred. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I can remember. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of times there were some big groups up there. Yeah. And I wonder how many still do that. I, I You know, I couldn't tell yeah. you. Yeah, that's a good question. It's been a while since I've been up there, too. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that was my entry point to the whole deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, I would tell you that I didn't go out to get my guy's license, I think, until a little over four years ago. Uh -huh. So, you know, I'm 42 now, so I was 38, right? Uh -huh. yeah. um, 
That's a good age, though. To then, you know, no, it is to get it. I think I never yeah. got mine till last year. Yeah, and I was fifty-two, fifty-two last year. Uh-huh. So, you know, once you get to that age, if it's something you still want to do, it's like, yeah, maybe you probably ought to do <laughs> you know. But there's a little bit. See, I never got my Eagle Scout when I was on the Boy Scouts, uh-huh. and that's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the highest honors in life. But one of the other, you know, (laughs) you grow up in a family who, you know, is outdoorsy, where I go up to camp and not only, you know, my uncle up there, but his guiding, but, you know, his guide buddies are up there. And you hear the stories around camp as a kid. You know, that's like the Eagle Scout of outdoorsmanship, you know, as an, kind of as an adult a little bit. But, you know, I don't want to downplay it because, you know, a lot of it was like, I just want to go out there. I want to. I want to be able to run rivers if I can uh, make a little extra, you know, for mm-hmm. that. That's great. I don't really necessarily have aspirations of running it full time yet. Yeah. Um, but taking just a slow approach and enjoying yeah. the process and kind of build up to it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, if you want to hit the eject five edition now, and it's like you know, you're still got yeah the rest of your life to live. Okay, guys, we're gonna pause just for a brief moment, and we want to. Tell the listeners and the viewers about patreon.com slash working class woodsman. We set this up because we've got some people asking us, you know, how can we uh, support you? How can we uh, help out? So we set this up. It's patreon.com slash working class woodsman. And you can go and sign up to send us $1 uh, or $2 or $3. Per month, so we're obviously not trying to to get rich off this, but we are sort of trying to maybe build a little bit of a community uh, around this podcast and the YouTube channel. So if you send that, do one dollar per month, what we're going to do is we're going to thank you in uh, the podcast, and we're, we're going to do it like every podcast, unless we get like three thousand of you, and that that might be a little unwieldy. But um, so we're going to thank you for. Uh, and ask people to check out your YouTube channel or your Instagram. And for $2, what we're going to do is we're going to do that. We're going to thank you and ask people to check out your channel. And we are going to also send you the Working Class Woodsman sticker. And then for the $3, we'll do all of that. And we'll also send you the Working Class Woodsman patch. So um, we would really appreciate if, you know, if you want to, you don't, you don't have to. You can continue to listen to the podcast that's what's important we hope that you enjoy doing that so that's it patreon.com slash working class woodsman if you like and if not just keep on listening and uh and and watching the videos and if you're not already subscribed on itunes to the woodsman's podcast please do that and then also youtube.com slash working class woodsman so anyway, is it possible to do uh to, to guide tours without being a registered main guide? No. Uh, it is not so so they call it remuneration for services anything that you receive remuneration uh-huh. for services rendered in the outdoors in maine requires you under especially under so so if i guided a hike you know uh-huh. i could guide a hike and, and as a volunteer not get paid right no, so like just, the boy scout leader different can, you know because he's not being paid for absolutely it. Right. as a volunteer only if you're being paid it's only if you're being, being paid, paid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just in talking cash about, or <laughs> any way yes. you want. Any, any way you, <laughs> you can take Vera, yeah. you know, shillings, <laughs> Twinkies. Anything if you're being 
receiving remuneration. Yeah. Like if you say, for instance, I'll give you some. Then, yeah, but they don't say currency. No. Remuneration. I mean, well, what if I was to say, okay, uh, I'm going to take you, um, you're going to take me on a canoeing. Like say I'm not a guide. Sure. Okay. But I'm a taxidermist. Okay. And you're going to take me on a canoe trip and I, and I do your deer head for you in, in, in lieu of the canoe trip. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. Com- that's compensation, right? Technically, yeah, yes, compensation. Technically, yes. Yeah. So there's so yeah. In that, in that, is as bizarre as that sounds. Although it's probably happened. Yeah. He, Mark would have to be a registered main guide in order for me to do the deer head in, yeah. in lieu of the. Uh, but it's also, I mean, just like I mean, think about it, like in practical terms, like you don't want to go to chiropractor if he hasn't received all of his certifications and things right. like that. So right. my next question so, is... Yeah, but they're like, a lot less expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need all those. Who are the chiropractors? <laughs> if he's not certified. Oh, if he's not certified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask... He's the front store. got a portable table. He's in the corner of a nail place. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, do you think that that is a legitimate thing that you have to be registered yeah yeah i mean it's it's and in fact you know and we were kind of having this conversation it for for the type of what you're being asked to do it's it's really a bare minimum it is bare minimum yeah. i mean the registered main guide test is is said to be the toughest test to pass for any right. wilderness you know, so guy. let's talk about why. Let's talk about that. How hard is it? Seventy-five percent of those who take it fail on the first round, and it's usually really? navigation. It's either navigation okay. or oral. Yeah. So I, I don't want to put you on the spot, no. but uh, did you pass it on the first test? I passed everything except for the. Um, I didn't pass the oral on the first test. They they, they dock me a point on the lost person scenario, so they give uh-huh. you. Uh, I passed everything. The written yeah. mapping compass. Yeah. Uh, there's like two parts of the oral, yep. but they give you a lost person or a catastrophic s- scenario. And they One feel the and they they that that's very that's variable yeah. depending on how yeah. they feel about a particular individual. So, and that's extremely subjective. So, you know, I, I won't have to name names, but what I had was two cranky wardens after lunch and late in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy, and the guy basically pulled out a, 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 you know, a map and dropped it on the table in front of me and gave me a scenario and, you know, just kind of puts his finger on the thing and and let the whole thing very open and vague. And, you know, I'm asking questions, you know, no, and he's, you know, now we're we're kind of like almost a little combative, uh, and I was looking for clarification about that scenario, yeah. and um, he really wasn't, you know. Uh, and and I almost and I'm just I'm not trying to be the devil's advocate, but I think sometimes that's their way of seeing how you handle a situation. And they're trying to with them it, or, yeah. or anything. Yeah. In other words, like if if all of a sudden you're confrontational in an air conditioned room with two older gentlemen, yeah, how are you going right. to be when you get a guy with a, with a, with, a, with a bone sticking out of his right? Right, and somebody right. else who's flipping out, you know, and right. you and know, I'm not, I'm not and, that may be a strategy. It may not. Yeah. I'm saying yep. that's a that's a strategy I would. Think. Yeah, if I Seems was reasonable, if the tables were turned. Yeah, but uh, but and I think anyway. Go ahead. I, no, 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 no. But um, you know that that was to sum it up. I yeah, mean, that yeah. that was kind of it. Like I kind of went through the scenario, you know. So they docked you a point for that, but did you still pass? Or? Well, you know, they pulled you back in and said, you know, this is what I wanted to hear you say. You said this. Technically, yes, the situation kind of, but, you know, I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. 
come back in 30 days. Yeah. So you go back in 30 days, you know, and that's, and that, I think that's the other part. A lot of people just don't go back. Uh-huh. Right. Well, and that's an indication too, that they're like, Absolutely. You know, if you don't come back, yeah. then. And I'll actually tell you that the second situation that they gave me, because that's the only part, part you have to retest on. I don't have to go through the written and all that other uh-huh. stuff again. Right. The only part that they retest you on is that situation. So, you know, again, I knew walking in, I was going to get a lost person or a catastrophic situation. And, um, and I just had a different group the second time. The second time it was a warden, um, and, uh, a couple retired guys. Guard, yeah. And, um, it was actually much more conversational there. Yeah. They hit me with this, you know, and I don't want to like too many spoilers, but like, you know, they hit me with this. They go, oh, so what do you plan to do? You know, when you get your license, um, you know, and that's the difference too. When you're in an oral, like those guys are intimidating. You know, so what screwed me up wasn't my lack of knowledge. It was like I, I've got these two old cranky <laughs> wardens. Yeah. Who, who, coincidentally, you were you have a lot of respect for. Absolutely. Because, because By the way, I should, yeah. that should yeah. be very clear. About oh, that. sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, these wardens are tough because they need to be. I, I have the utmost respect for any all. and all yeah. the wardens. Yeah. Like, that that yeah. is a hard, hard job. And uh, if you put in the time and done that, you're testing. I mean, those guys are tough, and they need to be tough. Yeah. Uh, well, because like you said, they want to they want to weed out the as absolutely. We, we've got a new term, the Volvo guy. Yeah. The yeah. guy just wants the patch. Right. It's like they don't. That's right. You know, it's like yeah. You know, they they're really trying to get people who are getting certified to go out and 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 phys, you know and do the and and guide and understand you know? that you can do that. Right? And, yeah. And 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 I think. Um, like in my my scenario, um, the same thing. I mean, I had the oral first, yep. which I passed. Um, but they do, and it, but they'll give you. They gave me fourteen no win situations. Yeah, and basically, well, that's the other thing. All the situations yeah. that you're going to get are no win situations. Yeah. I mean, you so may they about, may say, you know, you, you've got it, and I'll throw I'll throw I'll throw generations. Yeah. You know, a boy, a father, and grandfather. Um, they've shot a bear. Yeah. Now you've got. Uh, you you you've left the father with the bear, and you're going to bring the grandfather and the grandson back to the camp, mm-hmm. and then go back and get the bear. Well, you end up running over the grandfather with the pickup truck. <laughs> what do you do? That's a scenario. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay, it's not going to get any worse as long as you yeah. run over the kid. So I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Is that a lost person scenario? <laughs> or is yeah. that catastrophic? That's catastrophic. That's my idea. Uh, you might have lost a person. Because no yeah. one's lost. I know where he is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So under the truck. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I might be getting no, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but that's a that that may be a scenario. So it's like and, and realistically, that could conceivably happen. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. You know, you've got an exciting situation. You've got yeah. a kid. Uh, you know, you've got an exciting situation. People aren't thinking 100% like they should be. Those things happen. Well, I, you, you know, yeah. and I actually think, because what, what you brought up is interesting, like, they're going to give that example to someone who say, interested in hunting, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So what I actually appreciate about the second go around with the test was the gentleman actually took the moment that it, excuse me, took a moment to ask me and say, Hey, Oh, so what do you intend to do with your guide's license? Right. You know, I said, well, I'm, I'm interested, you know, wilderness is canoeing is my thing. Oh, all right. Well, where do you, where do you intend to guide, you know, your river trips? Right. I said, you know, the Allagash, you know, that's the obvious go-to. Right. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I don't 
retired main guide guided the Allagash for some 30 years. He goes, great. So you're at Round Pond Rips. You're here. And da, 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 da. Like he painted the scenario right there on the river and made it a very practical scenario. And so, you're standing on the, you know, the, the, the three ton round boulder, not the two ton, you know, oblong, absolutely. you know, boulder so, on the right that's half gray. That's right. No, no, no. Yeah. Realistically, and, that's probably and, what he's what he's yeah, saying. He wanted yeah. to know that he wanted to see that I had knowledge. Uh, so what I had was, again, a catastrophic situation, approached canoe, uh, one gentleman, two, two, two in the canoe. I've got a party of six total, mm-hmm. three canoes. They broach the wrong way. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's the right way when you lean into the rock, and then the wrong way when you don't. And now your canoe's filled up with water and it's a ton. Yeah, if you... If you if you if it tips away from the rock, then water is correctly pushing so into it. If you're it. going downstream and you're going to tip your canoe, you want to lean downstream, lean forward, and lean forward into the rock. The yeah. So when that's, you have a the better current is hitting the bottom of the canoe. Correct. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, you can wrap your canoe around the rock. It's very heavy. You've got the current coming you, into you've it. You've got you've got thousands of pounds of hydraulics. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting your, you know, I mean, it's the the strength of that water is just un. You can't imagine. Yeah. So, so that was my scenario. So you know, and so the scenario was you so approached the wrong, the wrong the way. The guys broached the wrong way. Somehow the one guy got on the other side of the canoe, <laughs> pinned his leg. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Yeah. So he's he's pinned with the the canoe pushing up yeah. against him. Well, and so he can't guy, go anywhere. So that's the other good. Guy's floating downstream, <laughs> right. you know. And I've got two other canoes in the water. That's perfect, yeah. right? And it was basically <laughs> go. Right? Okay. And what do you do? So, and so, you know, I kind of took him through that. And, but before that, I, I, I kind of paused and I talked a little bit about, you know, hey, by the way, before we get into the scenario, I just want to let you know that when I do a river trip, we go through a lot of free, free stuff. Yep. You know, I have taught all my clients not only paddling techniques, but, you know, self rescue techniques. Da, 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 da. So I said, I have a question for you. I said, is my guy who's floating down the river doing the, the you know, self rescue technique? Mm-hmm. The way that I would have constructed, I just told right. that's what they're looking for. Right. They want to know that you know that stuff. Right. It was easier for me the second time because it was in my wheelhouse. It wasn't this out of context. The first time I went through again, you know, and, I, and I'm unnecessarily picking on the wardens. I should, you know, I got to take my responsibility in that too. But like, I had a very abstract lost person scenario. Right. In the second situation, when I came back, I was very cool. Um, and confident because I'm working in my wheelhouse, like we're on a river, right? And I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to do with the Z drag to get the canoe off, um, to, you know, make a signal to everybody, Eddie out. Now we need to get the canoe off this guy. I got to get out there. I got to pull upstream to get him uh, out from underneath that canoe and I can get instructions to these people. You know, I can administer first aid on this guy. The other guy's getting out. Now I can treat the two guys for hypothermia. You know, but being a no-win situation, another guy going cardiac arrest. You know? <laughs> so, you know, and the I guy said, who's floating down the river, right? Yeah, no, 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 not the guy who was floating down the river. The guy who broke his leg yeah. and was yeah. pinned, yeah, and no, now okay. he's wet. You know, uh, so it's just you know they're gonna yeah. they're gonna keep piling one thing after the other, but they do again. That's what they're looking for. It's yeah. not about the situation. It's about what are you doing and, and what can you show them right. that you you know what you're doing when you're out there. Um, now, going back to the bare minimum part where we started from, mm-hmm. I just said all that 
Yeah. I'll tell you, I've never had to do a river rescue on any. Okay. Right? Now, I've practiced river rescue techniques. Right. I'll practice every season. I go out and do Z-drags, set all that stuff up. Because I'm a firm believer, if you're not doing it, it's redundancy. You yeah. need to do yeah. it. It's like, it's yeah. like playing a song on, on a musical instrument, right? Like, if you don't play that song, you're not going to perfect that you're gonna song. You're going to forget it. You're going to forget. The other thing get rusty, yeah. and I don't want to be rusty when I'm in the woods. Right. The other good thing about practicing, uh, not even in, like, canoe rescues, but any given situation, like any emergency situation, the more you practice it, the more you realize what you really need to have with you yeah. pretty quick. Absolutely. Whereas, like, a lot of times, if you if you haven't, Put a lot of that stuff into practice. You may you end up carrying around a lot of stuff you never going to use. Right. So, um, or or opposite, you don't bring the stuff that you really. Yeah. Well, really that's need. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you yeah. see the other thing happening. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's um, it, that's why I say it's a minimum. You know, because again, the minimum for uh, registered main guide as far we and I think we were chatting about this as well. Yeah. Well, on the first aid end is American Red Cross. Yeah, I mean that's that's a you know, and and the industry standard for outdoor recreation anywhere you, you work with Knowles uh, out west, you work with I mean, anyone anywhere is is wilderness first responder or a woofer. Woofer call. Woofer. Woofer. Wilderness first responder. So so there are things, and then I actually am a strong component that I would like to see that as the standard. I also would like to see uh, so that's that, a higher standard than oh yeah, absolutely. registered main guy. It's basically an EMT yeah. with no ambulance. It's one step yeah. beneath an EMT. Yeah, without yeah. an ambulance, right? Because uh -huh. think about it. Well, with an ambulance, an EMT with an ambulance, you've got all the equipment. The ambulance, you only right. have to be with that patient, let's say, fifteen minutes. Right. Okay. Right. In 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 a wilderness scenario, you might be with them for twenty four hours. Yeah, forty eight hours. Right. So it's a question of really making them comfortable, really realizing, you know, recognizing if, are they in shock? Yep. Uh, are they, you know, medications that will get into that scenario? Yeah, I had a campfire conversation just about the issue of CPR and how CPR, the practice of CPR changes, you know. Front uh, country CPR, they're still teaching, like, in the parking lot, like, if someone fell over, you know, outside, you know, it's still, like, compression and breaths. Yeah. In the woods, you just beat on their chest. Like, it's just... <laughs> and you break their going. ribs and pump yeah. their lungs. And and, and <laughs> after a certain amount of time, actually, yeah. and they built this into the, the, the wilderness first responder course, you, you're actually taught that it's okay to stop CPR, I think, after 20 minutes, somewhere right around there. Uh, there, there uh, I think it was 30. I think they reduced it to 20. Most people would still do. I mean, it's you're not going to. One person's not doing CPR for 30 minutes. If anyone's uh -huh. done chest compressions on yeah. a dummy, yeah. you know that you get it's, winded after about. Because it yeah. is, yeah, the amount of effort you're putting in. So hopefully, you know, and that's what we did in our catastrophic situation. We said, well, you know, well, I've got, I've got four good guys here plus myself. We all take turns doing CPR on this guy who's having cardiac right. arrest. Right. You know, because if you're in the parking lot of, you know, Hannaford or whatever, yeah. and somebody has a heart attack or whatever, and you're doing CPR on, you're only doing CPR on them until the ambulance arrives. That's right. Yeah, and that's and that's if you're doing good minutes. CPR, yeah. actually, the EMTs would instruct you if you, if they feel that you're doing good CPR, continue doing good CPR. Well, yeah. because that frees up the EMTs to be able to deal with some of the other yeah. stuff they need to do. Yeah. Um, that's it. In the back country, you know, when you're trained, yeah, you, you're a day out into the woods. You like, know what? Even yeah. even if you're not, like, just say you're two hours, right? Like, just say in that situation, I could have gotten to uh, a ranger station within an hour, but how? Am I going to get a guy? We need to do CPR. 
how am I going to get to the ranger be, station and back? You got to put them in a litter. At the end of the day, it's about how do I make that person comfortable yeah. as they are dying, and also, as grave as it is, to to just be there with them as they go through that dying process. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that's the angle that some of this wilderness stuff gets because it's it is different because it's realistic. But you need okay. So anyway, so I'm a strong component that that needs to be a basic requirement. I'm also a strong component that you know, and Moose uh, Guide Service offers this mm-hmm. is uh, River Rescue. Uh, they spend a few days doing River Rescue. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to be a river guide, you go out every say other year, same as you do with your wilderness first aid and first responder, and recertify on River Rescue because it it just reinforces that. Well, river rescue is pretty complex, too. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to think about. There's so much. You know, the temperature, the this. I mean, there's just so much. There's so many scenarios. So anyway, yeah. But no, that's me. No, but that's, but again, back to what we're saying, you know, even though the main guide certification is the hardest in the country to get, it's still, it's still very minimal as compared to what you may get into, you know. Right. And like the other thing, most people, I think, fail a lot of people fail the navigation. Yeah, um, many, many, um, and that's that's tricky because and that's compass taking compass bearings. Yeah. And, well, you know, they like you said, the guy comes over, puts a map in front of you, it's like, oh, you get fifteen minutes, and it gives you two scenarios: distance, back azimuth, um, uh, bearings, troop, uh, magnetic, a uh, magnetic back azimuth, whatever the scenario. Yeah, you get fifteen minutes on a map that isn't what you're expecting. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, and I don't want to, you know, again, I don't want to tell tales out of church because if you want to get certified, go get certified. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's a couple of different ways to pass it. And the, all my only advice is, you know, however you're going to do it and re, however, like if you use a protractor, if you use, uh, if you use, depending on how you orient, whatever, do it the way you usually do it. Because if you go in there and, and try to try to reinvent the wheel or, you know, you, you're not going to. Um, right, you know, and uh, you know, UTM. I mean, anyway, this uh, a, a lot of people do fail in navigation. Uh-huh. I think. Um, actually, I know they do. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I think I think it's an issue of. Uh, I, I think it's an issue of one, just it's a bare minimum skill set kind of going in there, and then two, possibly an issue of nerves because you, oh, yeah. you've got that time limit. You've got those guys standing there watching what you're doing right. on that you paper. Know. And you know, and you can only be your margin of error is what, like one degree? To give you a degree. Well, then that that's interesting. Yes, it is. So, so if you're doing your calculate, <laughs> like after you've adjusted for declination and all that sort of stuff, because your compass that you're testing with isn't going to be one that you set declination on. So you're actually doing the math, right? Uh-huh. You're, you're yeah. and then Maine has uh, depending fifteen to sixteen degrees of declination. Depend, yeah, depending on the math they give you. Right, on the math that they give you. But so you, you also have to be able to write. Okay, so where is this map and what's the declination? But they have to tell you the magnetic information. It'll be on. Yeah, yeah it'll be on the map. So yeah. in other words, they can't. Give, you know, it, that that's. And as long as you ever had a map, that would be on the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's part of the legend. That's part of yeah. the legend. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, again, you know, it, it, it's funny because you got 15 minutes, and you know, you, you you're trying to keep tra- you, you're trying to focus on what you're doing, but you know, you burned up 10 minutes, right? And all of a sudden, you got five minutes, Ed, <laughs> and you want to double check, but if you go back and double check, then you know, you, you burned you, up your time. Yeah, 15 minutes is not a long time. No. 
And you know, like I say, those maps wasn't what I was expecting. Okay, but I just, I, I just said, you know what? The way I went in there, it's like, okay, I got three ports. It's like, I'm not worried. About, I'm not thinking about the oil. It's like I have to do this. And once I did that, the funny thing is, he takes it back, flips it over, and starts running with the oral. So I don't know how I did on navigation. Now I'm doing my oral, thinking I failed <laughs> in that. In the back of your head, you're like, oh, I already screwed up. <laughs> so, so I'm like, you know, forget it, Ed. Put it out of your, put it out of your brain. Just, just concentrate on what you're talking about. Yeah. It was. It was with me. I had. It was. It was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, it was. It was nerve wracking. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you, but uh, I did. You know, like I said, I did pass it, but. Anyway, it was a great experience, and hopefully, um, I'm going back to get my hunting certification. I wanted to have it by now, but I've been so busy doing other stuff, I haven't had a chance. But that's my my goal is to get get my hunting and fishing certification. Yeah, guide, that some be, guide certification, yeah, yeah, yeah to lead yeah. hunting or fishing yeah. trips. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, bear hunting. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there's five classifications. I guess we didn't really say that here, but there's five there is classifications. Now, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, so you've got hunting, fishing, recreation. Which I'm recreation. Right. Recreation actually covers all recreational activities. So ATV, a boat, stand up paddle boards, stand up, yep, stand yep. up paddle boards. And there's uh, questions on the test about stand up paddle boards. So that's the other there. thing. It's like even though you know, I, I said my area of specialty is say canoeing, right? right? Wilderness canoeing specifically. I actually have to be well versed in snowmobiling, ATV yeah. use, uh, okay. motorized boats. Yep. Because uh, I have a commercial boats operator license yep. that comes with the guide's license. Uh, so all of those things I'm actually getting tested on. You know, I may never do anything on a snowmobile. But you have the on. potential. Yeah. Once you there. get that certification, you can take somebody out on an ATV tour. You can take somebody out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Now, all the other two, the sea kayak yep. and uh, salt, uh, salt water. Salt. What do they call it? I yeah, I was going to ask about that, too, because the, like, the wardens are part of the Department of Inland. Correct. They work for so, the Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. Right. So they're not saltwater. No, they do everything. They do? Because I, I, I thought that it that like there was a different... Like, yeah, a I coast. mean, if you're on the coast and you're fishing for striped bass... Yeah. Yeah. You, that still falls under the fishing game. Yeah. That's fishing game. Huh. Yeah. The boating... I thought there was a whole thing like they had to test like the water to see whether it was salt water to see who had jurisdiction. Like in some of these areas where there's a tide going up the river. Oh, you mean you're talking about brackish water? Yeah, like because the warden, the game wardens, I thought were only inland. So, like, if it's salt water, they can't. They're not. I don't know where they stop. I mean, I think as far as like if you're doing a duck hunting, like say I'm taking somebody hunting for sea ducks. Yeah. Okay. And we're in a boat, and we're out. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure it's fishing. Department yeah, like I've never had a state trooper ask for my fishing license when I'm. No, you know, no, and the Coast Guard's not going to stop and ask you. You know, is that right? Because they're guide certification. They're federal. Yeah. So. Hey, that's a good question. I, I'm not, it, I mean, it's a great. I don't. Question. I don't have much. Yeah, I don't, I've never thought about it because I don't do anything out there. Out on the ocean, right? <laughs> We're not certified for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not certified for that. So. But uh, it's, no. a, it's, a, it's a great. Question. Well, here on the Wisdom's podcast, we. Don't have all the answers, but, but <laughs> we, we also we also don't BS you when we don't have the answers. No, I mean, again, uh, you know, because it, but so it does break. Now it's five different. You got um, that Google app? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Worst case scenario, we'll look it up on Google. But, right, right. But uh, but yeah, so that would fall. But I'm pretty sure, um, and you like in a in a duck, in a, I'm saying sea ducks, you know, by hunt. Pretty sure that falls under fishing game, like Department of Inland Fisheries and yep. Wildlife. So, um, yes, it does. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
Um, but anyway, so. Um, so there's a, if there's a decline in people going on tours. Oh man, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, no. Is there that, a decline yeah. in people getting their certification? No, no. So there's, there are more guides. There's, I but think that, fewer clientele. Well, okay. So most people that go, okay, we uh, good coach. You can say any. This is the Woodsman podcast. You can say yeah. anything you want. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's a slippery slope. Okay, so. Think about okay, so for wilderness canoeing, I can probably say that there are less than ten full time main guides mm-hmm. who have, like I said, full time that's what we do. Right. However, how many I mean there's something like four to five thousand registered main guides in total. I don't think so, so, right. So there, there are a lot of people who are ten. That not doing any batch holders, right? Yeah, <laughs> are I'm one. Of them. Holders, I'm right. not okay. I'll I'll take some heat. You know, I I'm not physically guiding right now, but I have, I'm certified. Yeah, you know, I don't wear. Well, my, I mean, I don't wear me. my, what am I doing? I'm, I'm part. I'm a part time. But you guy, just right? came. But 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 you are guiding. I am. Yeah. I am. Um. You know, but there are people that you know get that patch to wear to the coffee shop, or yep. sew on their brand new. Um. I don't want to start sewing. You know. Right. But no, there is there is a trend of people who, who And I guess that's what I was saying about the testing process. When I said, Well, I just explained all of this, but I've actually never gone and actually had to do right. I've never been, had a catastrophic situation. So a lot of times there are folks who get that test who have no business being in the woods really. It, yeah. you don't need to be a woodsman to get that guide patch. You just need to have the knowledge to pass that test. Right. Yeah. That's the slippery slope there, and the thing is, someone and you there take, are a lot of those people. Yeah, you just, you take there's a, there's a lot of cases where someone would be a very competent guy because right. of their hands on just just their character and who they are and how they grew up and how they lived mm-hmm. their lives, whereas they may be horrible at taking tests. Yeah, right, right. You know, it's like anything else. It's like I don't. I mean, I did good on the you know, like I said, I, I but I don't historically I don't test well. Mm-hmm. I never have. Right. Um. You know, so that was my concern. I was yeah. like, geez, I'm never gonna do you. I just, then, I, I just don't, I just don't test well. In terms of of getting the certification from the state, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, like you talked about, you don't want to go to a, uh, you know, a surgeon who's not right. got some kind of certification. Yeah. Right. Um, well, but on the flip side, you might, you know, you have somebody who's like, well, I have the certification, so yeah. I can leave you, it, it but they're a total yeah. moron. Yeah. So, so you know, but, but here's here's the other barrier to access, if you will, on that one that, um, and this is why I, by the way, am a, a, kind of like a gun for hire, if you will. Keep hired gun. Hired gun. Right. Gun. If, if you're running a guide outfit, like, so next week I'll be out with Moose Guide Service, like I said, we're doing West Branch at Penobscot. Mm-hmm. I have all insurance for myself, but I don't have, you know, I'm not an LLC. I don't yeah. have, you know, a business, you know, the liability insurance and all that. If you're going to take folks out, you got to have that. You got to have like, liability. And that was actually the first thing the world right. asked. So, so there are people yeah. who you're absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. They got the patch. They earned the patch. They can do it. Uh, would I recommend ever booking a trip with somebody who has not properly set up right. a, a, a business and is insured, yeah. um, who has their paperwork in line? Though that's where you really separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. I think I think a good idea is once you get your certification, I think you should then begin an apprenticeship. 
Right. Yeah. Like in other words, you should go to work for a guy. Right. In other words, it's it's a beginning. Know? I'll give you an it's example. A, my my buddy Tim, you know Jack Mountain Boys, Yeah. Right. You know Chris, uh, Chris and that, yeah. those guys. Yeah. They they went through this Tim's world. You know his school. Yeah. Okay? Which is. Uh, Jack Mountain Bushcraft. Jack Mountain Bushcraft, yeah. which is he does nine weeks immersion courses. I mean, it, it's pretty extensive. Yeah, they all went. They went through that original course. Decided they wanted to get put their feet in the water. They got the certification and they work under Tim. Yeah, as guys, right? Um, and you know, I think that's great because you know they're they're in you know they're thrown into the uh, to the to, you know they're they're thrown into it, but they're also under the supervision. Someone's been doing it for twenty years, right? right. So, so they all have the certification, equal certification. But well, Tim's he, a master. But he's yeah. Oh, that's another level, or oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, you can earn that after ten years. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But he's also Tim is recreation, hunting, fishing, and he also has sea kayak. Yeah. Um. So, so and I have two thoughts on all that though. Yep. Yeah. So I brought that up to the ward because mm-hmm. that was my uncle's stipulation with me, right? Because uh, he's very old school that way, and that's exactly his deal. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, go get the registered main guy patch, and then then you mentor. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're the apprentice. Exactly. Yep. yep. You know, and that came up in my conversation with the wardens when they're testing me, you know, on the second go round actually. Um, and they said to them, they don't care because as soon as you have that patch, you could be out there guiding. Yeah. So yeah. I think I would yeah. agree with you. I think it's a, it's a, it's the best practice. It's not yeah. a required practice, but no, it, I, I believe it is the best practice. And that's actually why I'm operating the way I am because I don't want to run my own guiding outfit. I actually want to work with several folks who have extensive experience. Every mm-hmm. time I go into the woods, it doesn't matter what I do. Today we were fishing, right? Yeah. And uh, you were cleaning the fish and I was like, oh, you leave the heads on. Like, I have always cleaned my fish a different way, right? Sure. Yeah. Perfectly legitimate, right? Right. But you kind of walked me through and said, no, I do this, I do this, I do this. I said, oh, well, I, you know, that's... Now and now, I, now you can either you know, be like, oh, I'm going to do that now, or you're going to be like, Dead. That's stupid. <laughs> or, or I can pick the scenario how I do it how I want. Or, or you know? yeah, not completely adopt it, but, you know, sort of incorporate parts but of it. You but, have options. But there's, exactly. But, you know, like... Um, but it's the same thing in the guiding world. And, and the more experience you can get working with other guides and building a community and building mm-hmm. a network. If I spend a week up with Tim Smith, I guarantee he's going to be, he's going to have a few nuances. We're going to do a lot of things fundamentally the same, but he would do things different than what I'm about to experience with, um, you know, Mahusik guide service mm-hmm. uh, next week. That, that's and they all know each other. And then right. my uncle's got his own particular way about doing things. Yeah. You know, um, and when you can get that exposure, you're just building your bank of tools um, and you're really helping to find, okay, well, I can choose to accept this. I can choose to reject that technique. Um, Yeah, to make for kind of an analogy, I mean, I I have my own eating business. I've been doing it 33 years, you know, and I started, I mean, with a, you know, with a match. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, over the years, from working with so many different guys, I've worked with some really good guys over the years. I've worked with some not so, but even today, if I went out with someone else doing a hydronic system or a radiant system, I would learn something from that person. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, you know, because you know, yes, products change, yes, times change. But the the point is, like every time I go out with someone else who has equal or more or even less experience, Mm -hmm. I always learn something. Yeah, 
you know, and, and it's a two-way street. They, they learn from me as well. But right. so it's the same in, like in guiding. Like if you work with three different guides, you can work with three different river com- river companies, mm-hmm. and they're all going to do things a little bit different. But from all of those, you're gonna you're gonna get something from all of those, and you're gonna make it your own. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's and again back to the mentor thing. I think realistically, once you it should be. I think personally myself like i want to i have i would love to go to work for another i'd like to go to work for a guiding company and, and, and guide bear hunts mm-hmm. under someone else's um you know right right uh, yeah you know not umbrella but yep you know and there's plenty uh, of them out there that hire yeah that so i you know rather than start my own which i guess you know i probably could whatever mm-hmm. i would be i would rather go to work for another guiding company yeah um yeah. you know to do bear hunts or do uh upland game whatever yeah, you know, and just just to get into like, well, you know, that's a good idea because I wouldn't have thought of that. I probably wouldn't have thought of that. You know, yeah. and it's just it's just good practice, and I th- I think that should be kind of not should probably maybe be mandatory. You know, yeah, some sort of mentorship program. Yeah, you know, yeah, whether or not that's mandatory, um, I say I mean, mandatory. It should be encouraged. Is a, it should be encouraged. Should definitely be encouraged. And, and it all, you know, also too, it does depend on the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people I think that could. I mean, I know people that are 22 years old that are completely capable of guiding something. Yeah, and I know people that are fifth my age that yeah, you probably. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend going with that guy. It's but, just it depends on the individual. But how does the potential client find that out? Well, um, you, unfortunately, they find sometimes they find out the hard way, and I know of a few. Like stories. when they breach their canoe the wrong way and they're pinned to That's a rock. Not I mean, I've, I've, you know, again, I'm from New Hampshire and um, the New Hampshire guiding is, yeah, we, you know, it, you know, and for the record, to be a New Hampshire guide now is a lot harder than people get think it is. Yeah. It's getting, getting harder. And it's right around the corner. They're trying to get recreation. Right now in New Hampshire, you only need to be registered, uh, registered as a uh, hunting and fishing guide. Mm-hmm. There's no rec so you, in New Hampshire, you can take somebody on a canoe trip. Take them on ATV and for mountaineering. You could take right. them above tree line in uh-huh. January. Yep, no problem. So that they're really working on that. It's and you know, like everything else, it gets fought. Yeah. And, and you know, again, it's not going to apply to people guys taking out Cub Scouts. It's not going to take right, that. Right. But you know, no, if you're uh, if you're taking somebody down the Saco, uh, yeah, no, I think you ought to you ought to have to be certified. And that's like what we talked about a couple episodes ago about passing legislation, because I imagine that you're going to change that and oh, yeah. wouldn't that require oh, legislation oh, here yeah. in New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. where it all gets, yeah. you know. It, it, and you've got a lot of folks who are actively working in that community, a lot of those guys up in the White Mountains who do uh, the rock climbing, or uh, those are the ones that would be most impacted, I think, uh, yeah. guys <clears throat> yeah. who might operate. You know, a lot of folks work through AMC um, and other things like you can, you can, um, what is AMC? Appalachian Mountain Club. So there's a few organizations up in the White Mountains who. An American Motor Company. Well, you (laughs) You also have the theater. uh, There you go. So, so, you know. (laughs) I'm just trying to throw you. No, no. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I throw one right back at you. But you have a lot of organizations that, unfortunately, you know, those people, because those White Mountains don't belong to the Appalachian Mountain Club, right? So if someone's guiding up there, like I have a buddy of mine who um, 
you know, he's a registered Maine guy. The reason why he went out for his is because he was working for Sunday River. And Sunday River at a certain point had decided that they wanted to do some ski, uh, guided ski trips or led ski trips um, off the property, yep. right? The second you go off the property, those those employees had to go and get their guide's license. Yep. So right. that's going to impact a lot of people if that legislation, you know. Oh, yeah. So they'll be scrambling to figure out, well, okay, this is this is how I make my money. Like, I'm not going to have to scramble so much, right? Um, I do I, I do precious few. I did a few guided hikes up in the lights, uh-huh. mainly to folks who were fairly new to the area and, and wanted, you know, a weekend trip. How does that get structured and things like that? How do I know what, you know, there's 48, 4,000 footers, you know. Which one's going to kill me or which one can I take my kids on? You know, it's like, you know, okay, I can help you with that process and get out there with you. I just found that I didn't particularly care for it. All right, we're going to do one more little, little small commercial. Um, stop wasting time when publishing videos on YouTube. TubeBuddy is a free browser extension. That's TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a free browser extension that integrates directly into YouTube to help you run your channel with ease. Other products require you to leave YouTube in order to access their functionality, but not with TubeBuddy. Their toolkits features load right within YouTube's website in line with your daily workflow, allowing more time to make great content. TubeBuddy streamlines productivity and provides tools for bulk processing of videos, video SEO, that's search engine optimization, uh, video SEO, promotion, and data and research. Here at the Working Class Woodsman YouTube channel, I use the thumbnail generator to easily create great thumbnails right in the browser. I also use the vid to vid tool to insert links to our most recent video into the video descriptions of all the videos on the channel. And we have like 350, I say we, but most, you know, 330 of them were Ed. Ed alone, but um, to start using the free TubeBuddy extension, go to tubebuddy.com slash WCW603. WCW603. TubeBuddy.com slash WCW603. The pro version of TubeBuddy is also very reasonably priced and totally worth it. And there's even a 50% discount for new YouTubers with fewer than 1,000 subscribers. 50% off and it works out to uh, I don't have it in front of me but it's like less than five dollars per month and it, it's definitely worth it so check that out tubebuddy.com slash wcw603 thanks a lot so anyway so you think um you you had kind of mentioned this like is there a different so do you think could have, and I've, I've got a few different um answers on this but do you think canoe trips are less and less people are doing canoe trips than they were 20 years ago it's a, yeah it's an issue of um both access and people who want to take time off so say for instance we're going to do this west branch trip you know that's six hours of driving mm-hmm. to get up to well from where we're at where we're at right here yeah that's approximately six hours of driving just to get to the rendezvous Never mind right. the, you know, so there's a, you really have to have almost a day on the either end for travel. A lot of folks who do it, um, I can tell you a lot of my uncle's clients were folks uh, from out of state. Also, price becomes a barrier. Um, 
it, it's costly to run those trips. North, you know, you, you talk about food, the, the, the sheer overhead. A lot of folks don't really think about. You, you've got you've got to supply food for all of your folks for the week plus a little extra in case. Well, it's a couple hundred bucks a day for food, right? Uh, like say six people. Yeah. So so the rough math is about fifteen dollars per person per day. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So you, you can just do it that way. Um, so yeah, roughly say two hundred dollars. But That's anyway, no you've got fees for the Northwoods, so you've got all the you know the shuttle services, yeah. you know, to move the car from point A to point B. So so when you start thinking about these costs, you know, to run a trip, say on the Allagash for a week, I think the average industry standard rate is somewhere in the twelve to thirteen hundred dollar range or up. Right. Um, you know, so think about and like people are coming from out of state, are they flying in? Uh, and they've got a place Portland, flight, or you know, so so one, it, it's the time it takes. So to comfortably run the river only section, like it, that that's a six to ten day trip. If you did all the lakes and the river, you're gonna push ten days, right? Mm-hmm. So you're almost taking two weeks of work off to go play on a river, or at minimum a week off, right? Mm-hmm. So you're taking your full week vacation. And there's just fewer folks these days who want to do that. You know, they'd rather just go do something else. Well, the thing is, if you got a, if you got two weeks a year and you've got a family and you've got two kids and like everybody wants to go to Disneyland, mm-hmm. so that's one week. Right. <laughs> you know, and you get, now you got to talk to your wife and your kids into spending, you know, four days in a canoe up in the Maine. <laughs> and that's not an easy sell. Yeah. Unless, some people will do it. Some yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But it's actually, I think, more people than you think not. But like, here's yeah. a great situation. I've got a client. Um, who's coming with me, who I brought on to this trip from Mahusik mm-hmm. next week. You know, so he's taking a week away from his family. His yeah. family's not coming with him, uh, right? Yeah. So he's shelling out the money for the trip, plus the travel, you know, and he's taking a week of vacation not with his family, right? So again, go back to your situation. You get two weeks of vacation or whatever a year, he's, you know, taking roughly half of that. And most people get a little bit more than that, but, you know, so there's an issue of access. The North Main Woods is not as developed. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can be, from my house, I can be up in the White Mountains in two hours. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about it, like a family vacation or just taking time off, I mean, what's more attractive? You know, spending two days in the car going to and from, or can I be in the White Mountains in two hours? Now, perfect. my preference is the, the North Main Woods yeah. all day long. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be with all the folks from Massachusetts. No slight to the folks from Massachusetts, but I don't want to be with you know, hundred surrounded by. Well, how many? Ca- how many? I mean, I'll give you. Well, I'll give an example. Like on our on our ride out to, to this morning. I'm yeah, 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 yeah but that's what I'm talking. How about, many right? cars did we see parked beside the road? A thousand. It was it was packed. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. From from like we we came out. You know, let's say up around Breton Beach. Okay. Yeah. We came out yeah. there. <laughs> if we didn't see a thousand cars beside the road. Uh, maybe there maybe. wasn't uh, there wasn't a whole lot of places to put a car at that I, point. I mean, at two in the afternoon. Please, I, I mean, and they were just, just a huge long stretch. Yeah, of, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just every trailhead, every like at the at the all the way down to Crawford. At the top of notch, they were yeah. parked out by the pond. They were parked. I mean, there were there were three hundred cars there. Yeah. yeah, you know, and every parking lot was full. Um, so so what you see is is a lot of high impact. Yeah, use. Oh yeah, you know, well, and you, we, you know, you go up in northern Maine and not see a person for two days. Yeah, right. I, I don't, I'm no, 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 that's guy. absolutely true. But I did the Moose River this spring. Yeah, I went out there, and uh, well, we were I out. saw I was out there for four days and only saw a couple of the people. We were on the Blackwater, and we didn't see anybody. Yeah, 
um, you know, in front of the St. Croix stream. And I said, well, I don't think we saw one other canoe. Yeah. Uh, it's, and if, like I say, you know, we, how many, all right, when we were fishing. Yep. How many people did we see, you know, just, I mean, we probably saw, what, a dozen people? So a dozen people. And they weren't course, fishing. Most of those folks weren't fishing. It was one no. other fisherman. Um, a few folks, uh, there was a point that was fairly easy access. Yeah. And they came in to, to yeah. use it as a swimming hole. Um, we went up to Diana's baths. We just pushed a couple years ago. And there were, yeah, that, it, hundreds of cars. So I guess, I guess and that's people. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is know, a, for people who don't know, it's uh, up near Conway, New Hampshire. And it's beautiful like place. Beautiful water, sort of waterfalls, you yeah. know, river or stream coming yeah. off the mountain. And there are stone rock pools and here's how here's how yeah impersonal well not impersonal but how uh the white mountains y2k right you remember how everybody said the sky you know planes gonna fall out yeah yeah well y2k i decided i was gonna climb mount eisenhower in bivouac just above tree line in my mm-hmm. baby sack and then the next day i was gonna walk over the uh you know across eisenhower um this is so this is on december 31st december 31st 1999 you're okay. climbing I'm, about. I'm bivouacked at 3,800 feet yep. above tree line. Right. Happy as a clam. Yeah. So I get up there. I do my little, uh, I think I had deep stroking off that night, you know, mountain house, whatever, backpacker meals, whatever. Make my tea, go to bed. And all of a sudden, I'm in my bivy sack. So you, have you slept in a bivy sack? Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. tight. All of a sudden, the sky is exploding. This bright light, boom, crash, boom. And I'm like, Oh this is it. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. So I'm, you know, now in a bivy sack. Okay. Because now, now I get a, Are you, you're on the ground? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. It's just, it's basically, it's, like it's a, a cocoon. I yeah. mean, you got a little, yeah. you know, but it, you're sitting in, it's like a, all of this is a cover to cover your sleeping bag. And I'm yeah. in a 40 below bag, happy as a clam, completely comfortable. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, it's World War II. So I'm, I, I unzip the bivy sack, throw my, uh, my head, my plastic mountain, with my coflax. Yeah. Throw those on. Throw my shell on, and I walk over. They're having fireworks at the Mount Washington Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Where we saw it today. Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is, they're, I'm above the fireworks. So they're coming up, and they're, ex- they're exploding below me. Wow. So I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I, threw my, I threw my police on and stuff, and I sat there. It was 45 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. So even so, what I'm saying is you would think you would have some peace and quiet at 38 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> December thirty first, no such one. Yeah. yeah. So the White Mountains get pretty crowded. They do get pretty crowded. Yeah. But those were some of the best fireworks I've ever seen. Well, yeah. Y2K. Yeah, I mean they must have done a yeah. big show. Oh, dude, that. it was forty five minutes of finale. It was just wow. insane. You know, and and then, so here's the other thing why I think a little bit of some North Maine woods is on the decline. Um Nobody talks about the North Maine Woods that much anymore. If you read Canoe Kayaking Magazine and no, stuff right. like that, yeah. you look at the top places to go canoeing, Maine barely breaks the list. Everyone's all about the Boundary Waters, Algonquin, yeah. um, or Canadian, yeah. um, Canadian rivers. And like rivers. The, it's like Canada's the Bonaventure. Right, Bonaventure. Yeah. So why, why wouldn't the North Maine Woods be the Boundary Waters in Minnesota? You know, like what? why, what's... Not as spectacular, probably. Um, I don't. You're know. at the very southern oh, yeah. region of the boreal forest, and I think if people yeah. want that true wilderness experience, I think there's a general perception. This is just my philosophy. I mean, just my my thoughts on this, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, 
my, it, it, I do think, I do think there's a little bit of trendiness to Canada as the new north. You know, yeah. it used to be go west, young man. Now it's go north, yeah. right? To get yeah. to true wilderness, and that's absolutely the truth. Like you're not going to get anything more pristine, and unspoiled. The North mm-hmm. Maine woods is logging company yeah. uh, owned, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that land to Allegash uh, to, to access the Allegash or the St. John River, it's all. I mean, now the corridors are protected. This is the other fun joke about the wilderness of, you know, quote unquote, I'm using quotes here, of Allagash is it, I think it's only like 50 to 100 yards on either side of the river that's protected as wilderness. Yeah. So when you're paddling, there are times when you can still hear the logging trucks machinery, right? and machinery running. Really? Yep. Over hill, over dale. And yeah. <laughs> you know? It's kind of like, yeah, when they, when they log, you know, when you drive down the highway and, you know, you get this nice fence row of trees, but just like, it's just beyond. You know, yeah. They're clear cut. Yeah. Pretty much. Not that no one clear cuts anymore. But I mean, you, yeah. you don't realize that it's like, no, you, you're not that far from civilization. You're in an active yeah. working force. And, yep. and you are, you know, quite a ways from civilization. However, you are in a working wilderness. Yep. And I think that's, it is still wilderness. Um, and I would say it's, it's about as, you know, the St. So, John still so, runs wild. That's not damn. What about, what about the whole, wasn't North Main Woods going to be, declared or was declared a national oh, monument or something. Oh, that's outside of Baxter State Park. Okay. There's uh, an area by the Katahdin. Yeah, What's the name of it? There's, it's just, I'm sorry. So on the tip of my tongue, I just... Which one? Pat? And, uh, the, the, the National Monument is outside of Baxter. Uh, well, it's, it's like by Patton? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Well, that's, you know... Yeah, it's like Deskinag Lakes. Uh, well, there's actually there's like three. It's broken up in all yeah. three. There's the big one, mm. um, which is the the it all. It's the woman, uh, you know, the birch bees, the Columbia family, Katahdin Woods and Woods and Water, Katahdin Woods and Waters Water. National Monument. All right. Well, that's Reed. Uh, yeah, yeah. K W W. So there are a lot of those, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. But we're really talking but that's about not, that spaciousness above it. That's yeah. another whole. But that's another whole podcast. Yep, that whole yeah, monument for sure. scenario. Yeah, we won't well, break into that. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you back on for that. We uh, we're over an hour here now, actually. So um, I got time. <laughs> if you guys are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so no, we we did a um, that was yeah, that's kind of what we wanted to. We talked about what we yeah, wanted we to talk, talk about. Yeah. We talked about other stuff. Yeah, you want to talk um, about your. Catamangus. <laughs> oh, oh, Catadromus fish? Catadromus fish. Catadromus what? <laughs> Google doesn't even know what it was. No, yeah, it's, it's, it, and it's We funny. did a mini episode last week yeah. about um, indigenous fish in Lake Winnipesaukee. Or is it now native? Did we <laughs> native. 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 Well, we're, we're, we're for the sake, we will say native. They're synonyms, but they have slightly different meanings. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah. But what do you think the difference between native and indigenous is? Well, no, go ahead. You, what's your opinion on that? I always use the term native. Well, most people think And you like to say I indigenous. I like to say indigenous because, yeah. I don't know, it sounds <laughs> impressive. No, but when I, 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 almost, when, when I think of indi- when I think of indigenous, realistically, I'm thinking of like, you know, Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what my... Yeah, and uh, I just maybe say Aboriginal fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would really. But, uh, right. but anyway, so let's say native fish. But um, so when we so we started talking about that, I've had a lot of people ask. You know, a lot of questions have come up, like about you know salmon. Did salmon ever come into Lake Winnipesaukee? 
control on their own naturally. on their own naturally. Right. And as far as I know, well, let's let's back up a little. So we talked about the 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 catadromance uh, fish, which what? is like the American eel that you know lives most of its life in fresh water, but spawns in salt water. The opposite of that is the anadromous fish, which lives most of its life in salt water and then spawns in fresh water, like salmon. Right. Or something like that, you know, most people are familiar with salmon. Yeah. Salmon, or, uh, shad, yeah. alewives, mm -hmm. uh, any fish that lives its life in the ocean and then comes and swims up tributaries and spawns in fresh water is an yeah. anadromous fish. So, <clears throat> so. Anadromous. Anadromous. Yeah. Yes, I know. We, we, yeah, we, we made a little funny on that. But yeah. Uh, the, the correct pronunciation is an address. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But but uh, but anyway, and I hope I said I hope I'm saying it right. right Sounds now. good. Uh, I got a guy, a friend Rick, who thank God has patience to listen, and he calls and says, "You know, you really ought to say it this way. You know, you really ought, you really ought to back up on that." One. And God, you know, God, he's kind of a, kind of a mentor for me, actually. But anyway, um, he knows what I'm talking. About. So, uh, but take like salmon. Back, you know, before the dams and so forth, used to swim up the Merrimack. Mm -hmm. And then as near as from the information I can come up with, at, when they got to that fork in Franklin, the, the salmon would continue on up the Pemi, and the shad would go up into Lake Winnipesaukee. And they would actually, um, the, the Native Americans used to, that's where the, the weirs got its name. The Native Americans would, um, which is which is now Paugus Bay, it was actually once a river. They would set up uh, boulders in the shape of a W or whatever, and the shad would go up in there and get trapped, and they would harvest the fish. And that's pretty amazing to think that you could actually paddle a canoe in Lake Winnipesaukee and catch a fish that came in from the ocean. That's pretty wild. That, to me, I don't know why, that blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that we've destroyed because now, you know, once they put the dams like down in Bowl and Lawrence, and there's six or seven in New Hampshire between yeah. between Winnipesaukee and New Hampshire that it, it, that have made it impossible for those anadromous fish to come in from the ocean and like mm -hmm. they did you know say 500 years ago. And there's talk you know they've done some work with some of the dams have done fish ladders and so mm -hmm. forth. But and I think they've actually the shad from what I've read have um, actually made it up into New Hampshire. And for somehow they've got a tally of like eleven hundred and seventy-eight or something. <laughs> I don't know how they do that, but but they've actually the shed. So in theory, if they somebody's if, there going click <laughs> click, I don't know they, how they do it, but there is a number the and counter. Uh, they got their paperwork filled out. Yeah, they come out the ladder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They got to face the immigration guy to get into the lake. They've got an estimate identification. They've got an estimate that the shed have made it that far. So you know maybe someday. Um, but the other thing about Lake Onabasaki, it's like five to twelve feet higher than it was then too. Uh -huh. So the whole lake has changed. Uh -huh. So even if they could get up through Pogus Bay somehow miraculously, would they still be able to I don't know. I don't know. But uh if the if the water level is higher, yeah. would that change the temperature of the entire I would think so. Lake? I would think it's all temperature I would think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and see, some more surfaces exposed to sun. Yeah, and, and where the argument comes up with the salmon is, see, the salmon were brought in, we talked about this before, but they were brought in from the St. Croix River back in 1866 or whatever it was, 67, yeah. 66, and uh, 67, I think. But um, what they realized was that Lake Winnipesaukee and tributaries just didn't really provide the right spawning grounds that the salmon needed. That's why they stuck to the penny, mm -hmm. and that's why they migrated when they came up the Merrimack. So, 
you know, again, back to the, any salmon in Lake Winnipesaukee is put in there from the hatchery. Um, yeah. It's the same fish that swims around the ocean, but it, it it's landlocked, and that's where the term "lock" comes from. You know, they just right. can't get back to the ocean. Yeah. So, you know, it's contrived. You know, the salmon's right. contrived, but that's what you know. I guess that's what keeps the keeps us going. But uh, you know, it's just not the same as a fish swimming up from the ocean. Right. To me, right. I don't know. Would I trade? Would I trade the internet and penicillin for the ability to catch a sea run shed? Probably. But <laughs> 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 well, uh, maybe that's me. I don't know. But there's been a lot of advancement, and for the better, I suppose. But there are some things you just can't. You can't fix. I, I mean, there are purposes for the dams. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, think about it. You know, electricity production, the the, the woolen mills. The, I mean, no, we built. You know, humans. Humans are the worst thing for nature, but humans are nature. The problem is, unlike other animals, we change the environment to suit ourselves, whereas the animals have to adapt to the environment. Right. The animals, That's why it's a beaver. Uh, yeah, I was going to say beavers, you know, but. I think they're the, the yeah. one and only except that. Beaver, the missing link. They might be the missing link. Beaver might be the missing link. But uh, no, you're right. Beavers do construct, and, you know, they're very. They very, will change your environment. They are very productive. However, they, you know, they're not building automobiles. Not yet. They're not building. Not that we know. You know, they're not. They're not forging nails to pound wood together. They're they're using their little mitts and paws and mud. But so, but you know, that's you know, there's a big difference between what. Yeah, they're not working at AMC. They're not. <laughs> at all, any of the three of them. At all. Any They've of got them. the movie pass. <laughs> but so, so I mean, you know, so you know, the, the a byproduct of that is, yeah, we have a lot of pollution. You know, we we build things. We, per, per, you know, it's all. It's all driven by production, and you yeah. know, through through many things, you know, medi- the advancement of medication, the advancement of the automobile, the advancement of. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here doing, you know, it, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it. Right. right. I never understood that. Why? What? No, you know, like, if I have cake, you should be no, able to eat. I it. say buy two cakes, <laughs> put one in the fridge and eat the other. That's my answer. No, because it's you can't have the cake and eat it. If you eat it, you don't have the cake anymore. Unless you buy two cakes. Unless you buy two buy cakes. cakes. And just stay one. That's, but if I've eaten it, then I've had the cake. That's like, though, like not using... <laughs> that's like not using <laughs> the special china because it's special. Yeah, right. Like, why have it? Why <laughs> you're not going to use it. I only bring that out at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No. No. Exactly. <laughs> this is what we're talking okay, about. Okay, we're getting into silly season now, so... We're going to wrap this up. I want to read a quote <laughs> that uh, Mark... Uh, provided to us. Oh yeah, this is about the. This uh, is Mark Patterson. It's not, I didn't. It's not Mike. Mark Patterson. Well, it's not a quote. Well, you, yeah. we're going to segue. He brought it to our attention. Okay, it's from John Springer, uh, from his book "Forest Life and Forest Trees" from 1851. Oh, so, so who is John around. Springer? So he. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not Jerry. Not Jerry. Not Jerry he wrote, he, he was one of the early writers about the North Maine woods. Uh, so I do a lot. Of, I spend a lot of time reading old books. Like I'm currently reading a book from 1904, I think, called The Penobscot Man. It's just mm-hmm. really talks about the life of what it was like to be uh, an early uh, lumberjack, if you will, up in the North Maine woods. Yeah. So um, it's very interesting. You know, a lot of people think. North Main Woods, Henry David Thoreau. But to me, it was like, he's one of the least interesting characters of the North Main Woods. Two thumbs up on so, that. So, <laughs> so I like to, you know, dive into stuff like, 
this John Springer fellow. So uh, you guys are having a conversation. So just to, before the quote, right? Put it in the context for anyone who's still listening. <laughs> Somebody's listening. Oh, someone. One of the cameras to shut off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Um, Sorry, I'm having trouble with the connection. <laughs> yeah. No, wait a minute. Your Google is from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's not original. Indigenous. Okay, so 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 you guys are having a conversation about how the mountain lion's ever been seen, and in uh, Maine, yeah, in Maine, it's Dallas, mountain lion, right? Mountain lion from uh, cougar, 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 same animal, big cat, yeah. big yeah. cat, right? And so lynx is a lynx. A no, 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 lynx is different. different. It's a cougar. I think cougar is the term. Uh, from, from Northern Maine. Like, they are cool. Say cougar, cougar, cougar mountain lion. Yeah. I think it was cougar because we made a joke, which yeah. I then cut out of the podcast. So anyway, so so crass so conversation yeah. whether or not they exist, and then I provide this quote because yeah. this is a really cool historical quote. Before they were driven out of Maine, yeah, how natives uh, viewed that particular animal because they were certainly a presence. Yeah. So that's so now. So the quote is from a book. Written in 1851, called Forest Life and Forest Trees. Quote, there is an animal in the deep recesses of our forest, evidently belonging to the feline race, which, on account of its ferocity, is significantly called Indian devil in the Indian language, the Lunk Sus, a terror to the Indian and the only animal in New England of which they stand in dread. You speak of the moose, the bear, and the wolf even, and the red man is ready for an encounter. But name the object of his dread, and he will significantly shake his bead, bead. while he exclaims, He all one devil. 1851. I stumbled over bead because I thought, well, that should be head. But why would it be bead? Right. That's a good question. Is that a significant? I'm not. That's got to be something to do with uh, whether they. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good question. I don't question, and it would have been. uh, We'll have it on the next podcast. Yeah. (laughs) So, so that 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 tribe would have been uh, Knobscot, or um, of course, there's a lot of Abenaki, but most likely it's a a Knobscot. It's it's, um, the the more predominant tribe in that area. Micmac, I know there are Micmacs in Holton. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That is our podcast for August. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash working class woodsman. We put out two videos per week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. The Woodsman's podcast is also available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Uh, also Podbean. I don't even know what Podbean is, but it, we're on there. So if you use Podbean, go ahead. Uh, but tell your friends and leave a review, especially on iTunes. Listener Scattergun2 gave us five stars out of five. Thank you. And he says, been following Ed's YouTube channel for a while. He's a likable, knowledgeable guy and has solid content. Thanks, Scattergun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For the Woodsman's Podcast, for Ed Butler and Mark Patterson, I'm Max Ledoux, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.